0: You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. God's kingdom will be established on the earth that is not a statement that is widely accepted by Christianity in general. Most religious denominations centered around Christianity usually indicate that a believer upon point of death will ascend up to heaven or descend into hell, whichever is applicable to the way that they've lived out their lives. This is not scriptural teaching. The Bible clearly teaches that God created the earth for a purpose and that purpose was to be filled with his glory and that will be manifested by a people that represent his name, that have lived out their lives according to his will. Those who do not meet that standard will descend into the grave, which is hell on earth really, but it's not. place of torment. It's a place where the dead will lie eternally. And So this episode demonstrates using scripture that God's kingdom will be established on the earth and presents scriptures to, to, to support this. The Old and the New Testaments teach that the hope offered to the faithful is a place in God's kingdom on earth and not a place in heaven. Thank you.
1: the kingdom of God to be established on earth. So the kingdom of God will be established on earth and that's been God's promise to man from the time when he created man until now. And it's the hope that men and women, faithful men and women throughout the ages have looked forward to. You see, no man will inherit the heaven. In fact, no man will ascend to heaven apart from the Lord Jesus Christ who now sits at the right hand of God waiting to return to the earth to establish the kingdom of God on this earth. Most religions, as I'm sure you'd be aware, claim a reward that is in heaven. But the Bible knows nothing of a reward for man in heaven. Nothing for of a reward for a man or a woman physically in heaven. But rather it constantly and consistently shows that the reward of man is on earth. And this reward is one that has been looked forward to from the time Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. It's a reward of inheriting the kingdom of God on this earth for eternity. You see, the Bible is the inspired word of God and as such it's the authority to which we need to turn. And our words this evening will be based on the words of Almighty God as recorded in the Bible. There's no other authority under heaven that is reliable, and to its pages we need to turn to examine this subject and any other subject that is important to our eternal salvation. In the Scriptures, we're encouraged to search out matters similar to those we will look at this evening. We're encouraged to use the Scriptures to look into those things to determine if they're in accordance with the things of Almighty God or fables created by man. And the hope of going to heaven and sitting on a cloud there doing who knows what is a fable of man. We have the example of those at Berea spoken of by the Apostle Paul who commended these people in Acts chapter 17. You're going to have to turn there. Acts chapter 17 verse 10 to 11. And we have the example of these men and their attitude in not accepting what he said on the face of it but rather comparing the things written with that which is recorded in scriptures to determine if they were so or not. Acts 17, verse 10 to 11. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And we told that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so or not. They searched the scriptures to see whether they were so or not. They didn't turn to some minister, something that was written by some man, but they searched the scriptures. And this is a challenge we give you this evening. Most like to believe they'll inherit heaven for eternity rather than the earth. And the heaven is where they will receive the reward for a good life lived. But the Bible tells us otherwise. The Bible clearly shows that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven will be re-established on the earth at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth. And we urge you to take the example of the Bereans and look at the words we have to say tonight and compare those with the Bible to see if they are so or not. We urge you to look into these things closely as they involve the issues of life and death for each of us. You get them wrong, and there is no hope. Don't take our word alone, but look at what the Bible has to say. The challenge is also in Isaiah 8 and verse 20. Turn there, please. Isaiah 8 and verse 20, where the words of the prophet Isaiah, where he says, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So the challenge is to make sure whatever you believe, whatever you might say, is in accord with the things of almighty God, in accord with the things of his word, the Bible, Because if there's not, there's no light in you. You see, Scripture tells you and me that's what we have to do if there is to be light in us. Because if we have no light in us, none of the light of the word of Almighty God, as he has recorded in the Bible, we have nothing to guide our life. The words of Scripture can be a light to our feet and a lamp to our paths. Psalm 119, verse 105, where we read, "Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." So, by looking at the things of Almighty God, we can we can read and we can learn how we should how our lives should be lived before Him, and that which we should do, so that we do that which is right and proper in His sight you turn back to Matthew 5, the reading we had this evening, it introduced us to the kingdom of God. However, in this passage, it's referred to as the kingdom of heaven. And as we, I hope to show, these are interchangeable terms. They're terms relating to the kingdom of God, which will be established on the earth based on heavenly principles. If you have a look in verse 3, we're told, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The reward of the poor in spirit is defined as the kingdom of heaven. Verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So those persecuted for the sake of righteousness will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And verse 11 to 12, we told, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So, For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So once again, those who are reviled and persecuted for the name of Christ will receive a reward which is in heaven. Hence we see that the kingdom of heaven, it's reserved for the poor in spirit, for those who are persecuted, and finally there's a reward for those who are reviled and persecuted. It's a reward, and I'll put it this way, that is held in heaven for those who will receive the reward of inheriting the kingdom of God. You see, there is a kingdom of heaven. And there is a reward in heaven for the persecuted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. As verse 5 of this chapter says, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And all of these verses here are talking about the same person the person who does the things of Almighty God, the poor in spirit, they that mourn, the meek, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. And in verse 5, we're told they shall inherit the earth. The meek, we're informed, as we say, will inherit the earth. While the other three passages we have tell us it's the kingdom of heaven is their reward. Let's consider the same events as spoken of in other passages of scripture to understand what the kingdom of heaven refers to and the fact that it actually refers to the kingdom of God. The phrase the kingdom of heaven occurs 32 times in the book of Matthew but never again throughout the gospels. And never again, for that matter, throughout the rest of the Bible. It's limited to Matthew only. The question is, why is this the case? Well, I'd suggest that Matthew was writing to the Jews who wanted the kingdom of God to be established on the earth at that time. But they wanted it established on their terms. They wanted to be able to continue doing the things they were doing, have all, let's put it that way, the fun they wanted. And in speaking in this way, the Lord Jesus Christ was showing them it was not to be established at that time. And it wasn't going to be established on man's terms as the Jews wanted. But that he was telling them that God would establish it in his own time, on his own conditions, and hence the kingdom of heaven is used. It's used in Matthew to describe the kingdom of that will be established on heavenly principles or those principles of Almighty God as opposed to the ways of man. As I say, the Jews in general in that time wanted the kingdom of men established forever. But Matthew was showing them that this would not be the case. It was to be the kingdom of God that Christ would establish on the earth. The kingdom of heaven is described by many terms throughout the Bible. It's likened to leaven, to a mustard seed and to a stone that grows and fills the whole earth, to name but a few. And these all refer to the same thing, to the kingdom of God. And this is borne out if we compare some of the passages of Matthew with the equivalent records of scripture where they're recorded in other places. What I suggest you do is... um, Stay in Matthew chapter 5 and I'll look at the equivalent passage and you can see how it's referred to. So if you look ver- first at verse 3 of Matthew 5, we told, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in Luke chapter 6 and verse 20, we have the equivalent events written of by Luke. And we, we read there in Luke 6 and verse 20, And he lifted up his eyes, if you follow in verse 3 of Matthew 5, you'll see how similar it is, but the subtle difference. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. So the reward of the poor is described here as the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of heaven. And here the reward is the kingdom of God, a kingdom to be established on the earth, but to be established on God's terms and ruled over by the Lord Jesus Christ, who God has appointed for that purpose. If you turn over a few pages to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11, we have another example. In Matthew 11 and verse 11 we read, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And by comparison, if you follow the words in Matthew 11 again, in Luke 7 and verse 28 we read, For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not greater than the prophet, uh, gr- There is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So once again, we have them as interchangeable terms. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Consider a third comparison in Matthew 8 and verse 11. If You come back a few pages. And he said, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting that it's from the east and the west. I don't know that you actually have directions when you're in space like that. They're directions that are limited to the earth. And in Luke 13, verse 28 and 29, we read, if you follow once again in uh, Matthew 8 and verse 11, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham, Isaac and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourself thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. So we have once again in these two passages, the kingdom of God to be established on the earth that will do away with the kingdom of men. While in Matthew it's called the kingdom of heaven. And in Luke we can see, as I said before, it it will be fulfilled on the earth. Because you have north, south, east and west. And they're not directions that exist in heaven. It corresponds with the directions given to Abraham back in Genesis when he was told to look to view the land that he was to inherit. And he was to look north, south, east and west. He wasn't told to look up. And I think we might look at that passage again in a while. So these two passages refer to the same thing the kingdom of God to be established on the earth. If you go back a few more pages to Matthew 6 in verse 9 to 13 and we have the Lord's prayer recorded and the Lord taught his disciples to pray for the kingdom to come so that the will of God could be done on the earth. Matthew 6 verse 9 to 13 and he told his disciples After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and so forth as that prayer goes on. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples to pray for the will of God to be done on earth as it's done in heaven. And we know that the angels are in heaven currently going about doing the will of God, and they do his will perfectly. And on earth, we know this is not the case. Man goes about pleasing himself, doing as he wants with all, with little or no regard for God, or for that matter, other men. But the Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, As it is in heaven. A very clear indication that it was to be the desire of the disciples of Christ that the kingdom of God would be established on the earth as a place for them to inherit. And on the contrary, they were not taught to look for a time when they would go to heaven to receive their reward. They clearly understood God's kingdom and their inheritance would be on the earth. There was no misunderstanding with the apostles, with the disciples as far as that is concerned. It's a myth of man that you will inherit heaven. So how can the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God refer to the same thing? I think I've alluded to that already. What we're being told is that the kingdom of God will be established on divine principles. The principles of the God of heaven And hence it's termed the kingdom of heaven. We can say that the laws that will govern the kingdom will be heavenly principles. They'll be heavenly laws. And it can quite rightly thus be termed the kingdom of heaven. And while the Lord Jesus Christ will rule over this kingdom on the earth, his father, God in heaven, will be the ultimate ruler. And hence to call it the kingdom of heaven is to acknowledge God's position as the head of this kingdom. Well, what other scriptural references are there to establish where the establishment of the kingdom of God is detailed as being on this earth? Well, there's a few very obvious ones. Let's turn back to the prophet Daniel, to Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. Words that many of us here would know very well. And we read there in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven, the God of heaven, set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest the stone was cut out of a mountain without hands, that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver and the gold, the great God hath made known unto the king which shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain and the interpretation sure. These two verses are part of an explanation of the prophecy that Daniel gave to the king Nebuchadnezzar. It was in response to a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Nebuchadnezzar was a little smarter than a lot of other kings. He said, you tell me the dream and then the interpretation. And Daniel was able to do that because the God of heaven was with him. And he gave Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the outline of the future of the world from that time forward and what would occur. And in summary, this dream spake of great empires of Babylon, the Medes and the Persians. The Greek Empire and Alexander the Great. And finally Rome, an empire that was never overthrown but divided into the toes of that image, if you read it in your own time, the rest of Daniel chapter 2. And the vision depicted a stone that was cut out of the mountains without hands and it struck the image and it grounded into powder until it grew and filled, not the heaven, the earth. And that stone in Daniel 2, verse 44, explains the God of heaven setting up a kingdom on the ruins of the kingdom of men, the kingdom of men who rule on this earth at the moment. It's a kingdom that will last forever. But the important part for us is that it will be established on the earth. And the stone represents the Lord Jesus Christ, who on God's behalf will smash this image will smash the kingdoms of men and establish the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven on this earth. And we're told it's a kingdom that will not be left to other men, but it will continue forever. And it will require men and women to submit to the righteous rule of Almighty God. If you turn over to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, And we have once again this spoken of here. And we read in Revelation 11 and verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded and there was great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. It speaks of the same time when the kingdom of God will be established on the earth. The kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms of men, will become God's and the Lord Jesus Christ, And Christ, we're told, will reign over them forever. It'll be a kingdom without end. A kingdom established on the earth, on, hev- on based on heavenly laws and principles. And as we had in Daniel, it's described as growing and filling the entire earth. And it will ultimately grow and fill the earth with the glory of God to the exclusion of all else, as we have in Habakkuk 2 and verse 14. In Habakkuk 2 and verse 14, we're told, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It doesn't leave much room for anything else. You see, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns and establishes that kingdom on the earth, that will be the ultimate outcome of it. It will fill this earth with the glory of the Lord, the glory of God, as the waters cover the sea. It doesn't leave much room for anything else, does it? In fact, no room for anything else. Because the waters cover the sea to the exclusion of all else. In Psalm 37, if you'll turn there, back there, please, we once again have a little bit more about this. And we find where some of those words that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke were quoted from. In Psalm 37 verse 3 we told, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. And the land there in verse 3 refers to the literal earth. And we're told that those who trust in the Lord shall dwell in the land and they shall be fed. They'll be looked after by Almighty God who will keep them. You see, man has one of two, one of two choices, as you have, as we'll see in the, next ver- in the next verse we look at. They have the option to be cut off or to inherit the kingdom of God. To believe there is a reward in heaven that will be Take man, uh, uh, sorry, to believe there is a, a reward that will take man to heaven is not to trust God, because what God has told us is that the reward of man will be on earth, and those who do not trust God will be cut off, as verse nine tells us of Psalm thirty-seven. We told for evildoers shall be cut off. But they that wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Wait. Those who look eagerly for the Lord will inherit the earth. And by uh, contrast, evildoers shall be cut off because they will no longer be part of God's purpose with the earth. They'll be cut off from the earth and return to the dust. In verse 11 of this psalm, We read, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. What did we read in in, um, Matthew 5? We told that the meek shall inherit the earth. The exact words that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke in Matthew 5 and no doubt this is where they were quoted from. In verse 18 of this psalm, we told, the Lord knoweth the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. So we're told that the upright, those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, the meek, those who trust in the Lord, their inheritance shall be forever, and it will be on this earth. In verse 22 we read, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth. So if you're blessed of Almighty God, you will inherit the earth. And they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. It's very black and white, isn't it? Not, like, not what men like to hear today, is it? You like to hear you can do what you want and it'll be all good. But that's not the way of Almighty God and that's not the way of his scriptures. It's very black and white. They that be blessed of him shall inherit the earth. They that be cursed of him shall be cut off. They'll be no more. They'll go to the grave. They'll return to the dust of the ground for eternity and will not see the light of day ever again. In verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Very clear, isn't it? The righteous will inherit the land, the earth, nothing of the heaven here, and they'll reside on the earth, on the land, for eternity. And in verse 34, we told, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off. And those who inherit the land will live to see the wicked cut off. Now, the first part of this is important. They that wait on the Lord and keep his way. They that wait on the Lord... And keep his way. You see, it's not just a matter of going, oh, I've read the Bible, it's all good, I'm a good person. No, we have to wait on the Lord and keep his way if we are to inherit the land, if we're to inherit the kingdom of God, if we're to be part of that kingdom on this earth. Because if you don't, if you say, it's all good, I'll do what I want, I'll please myself. Then we class with the second half of that verse. The wicked who are cut off, they're cut off for eternity. You see, we will inherit the earth. Those who keep his way will inherit the earth for eternity. When the wickedness of man is no longer on this earth, those who keep the way of God have the hope of life on this earth as part of. Of the kingdom of God. You know what's absent in Psalm 37? Well, I think it's pretty clear, isn't it? There's no reward of man going to heaven. The psalmist who wrote this, King David, looked to the time when he would inherit the earth for eternity. And he was told this in 2 Samuel 7, if you'll turn over there, please, in verse 16. So the psalmist King David looked for this time when he'd inherit the earth for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ, who would reign over the kingdom of God on this earth. And what's more, King David was told he would see it with his own eyes. 2 Samuel 7, and, and thy house, thine house, is talking to David here, the, the prophet Nathan talking to David, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, Thy throne shall be established forever. So the kingdom that David ruled over, David would see it before him for eternity. You know, David died, didn't he? We know that. And his son Solomon reigned and Solomon died and on it went. And we know now there's no king over Israel. It's a nation that's, I guess you'd call it supposed democracy. But that will change. The Lord Jesus Christ will ultimately be king over Israel and over the entire earth. And David will live to see it. He will live to see that kingdom on the earth. You know, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, if you say, well, we've been looking at the Old Testament, what about the New Testament? Galatians 3, if you'll turn over there, please. The Apostle Paul understood he would inherit the earth. You know, I've heard it said that those of the Old Testament will inherit the earth, but the New Testament, will they go to heaven. Once again, it's a fable of man. It's what man has made up to tickle people's ears. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 to 29. We're told that for as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. So there's a requirement here of baptism baptism into Christ with a correct understanding of the things of Almighty God. And we told that there's neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And we told then, if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you're Christ, your Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And we're going to work backwards to this promise to Abraham. And if you cast your eyes back a few uh, verses in Galatians 3 to verse 16, we read once again Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith, Not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So in verse, tw- um, in, in verse 27 to 29, we read there in, in the verse 29, if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed. So it's a singular seed. And that seed is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 27, if we're baptised, we've put on Christ, then we can be part of that promise. If ye are Christ, in verse 27, then are ye are Abraham's seed. So we're included in that promise that was made to that seed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what was the promise that the Apostle Paul was referring to? Well, in a nutshell, is to inherit the earth forever. And if you turn back to Genesis chapter 13, we'll have a look at when this promise was made to Abraham. You see, it was a promise to inherit the earth forever with the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the seed, and faithful men like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and King David. And this is exactly what this promise to Abraham said. Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 17. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him. So Abram and Abraham are the same person. Abram's name was changed to Abraham, as I'm sure you're aware. So after that lot was separated from him, God said to him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. Let's read that again. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I'll make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. And just in case, Abraham, there's any doubt that you should look up to heaven, and there was no doubt with Abraham, he was told, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Abraham, you're going to get this land. You can walk it under your feet so you can be sure of what you will receive. And we told that Abraham believed that he would receive that inheritance. And if you remember what we read in Galatians 3, this reward is for those who are in Christ, who are part of the seed of Abraham. And just in case there's any misunderstanding here as to what was intended, as I said, God told Abraham to walk through that land. Well, what of Abraham today? He's dead. But what does the Lord Jesus Christ say of Abraham in Matthew 22, verse 31 to 32? If you turn there, please. Matthew 22. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ confirmed that Abraham, Isaac and Jacob would see this. Because in these passages, where he called God the God of the living and not of the dead, And he says in verse 31 to 32 of Matthew 22, But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken uh, spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? And the Lord Jesus Christ then says, God is not the God of the dead but of the living. Yes, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are dead today. But in God's eyes, they they will and they have inherited that kingdom because God can speak of things that haven't happened as though they have. Because when God determines it will happen, it will happen, unlike what we do. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ believed that God would raise these men from the dead and that they would receive this promise. To inherit the kingdom of God on the earth. To inherit that land that Abraham was promised. Because they were part of the seed of Abraham. You see, the question we should be asking is who will inherit the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God that will be established on this earth. Not all men and women will inherit the kingdom of God. As passages like Galatians 3 verse 29 clearly defined, and I'll read that to you. We looked at it a minute ago. We told that if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So if you're not Abraham's seed, you are not an heir of that promise. Or if you turn to 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13, and we have once again this division shown between those who will inherit the kingdom and those who will not. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 18, we're told, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So in the first verse there, it's very clear that there's those who have no hope. Those who have died, those who are in the grave, who have no hope. Continuing, for this we say unto you that the word of, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There are those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, who will not be raised from the dead. They will stay in the grave for eternity. But the dead in Christ are not like the general person who dies. These people have a hope. What is written here is written to the believers, here term brethren. You see, it's not a general thing for every person out there in the world. It's for them termed brethren. And hence this promise is not all-encompassing. It's not all-encompassing because man refuses to do what God requires of them. We're being told here that some people have a hope and others have no hope. Those who do not know the ways of Almighty God, those who refuse to do what Almighty God wants, will stay in the grave for eternity. In verse 15, we're told that those who are alive at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ will not be taken to be with Christ until those who are dead in Christ are raised. So we're given the order of how it happens. The dead will be raised first, and then those who are alive will be taken to be with Christ also. And further, it is directed to the believers only, once again, indicating that not all will be taken to be with Christ. Verse 16, the order of events is given, as we've alluded to before. The dead in Christ will be raised first, and so forth. In verse 18, those who understand the things of Almighty God, these words can be a comfort to them as they look forward to the establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth. You see, if you have that hope, if you understand that the Lord Jesus Christ will return and raise the dead, there is a hope. Yes, it's sad when someone dies. But when they have that hope, there is a hope beyond this present order of things. You see, those who have been faithful to, what God has, to, to Almighty God, he has decreed that they will inherit eternal life and a place in the kingdom of God. Well, those who are unfaithful, either willingly or through ignorance, will be not part of this kingdom. And it's a choice for each of us today. We can either be faithful or we can be unfaithful to Almighty God. You see, obedience to God or service to self is the choice we have. Obedience to God gives a hope. Service to self gives the pleasures of sin for today and returning to that grave to be cut off, as we saw in Psalm 37. One gives toil and a poor reward today, then eternal death. While the other, while it's not easy today, will give an an eternal reward that is held in heaven that will be for those on earth when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. We turn back to Matthew 5 and verse 11 to 12, our reading. we told, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. They're told, Great is their reward in heaven. And I'm sure you understand by now it's not a reward of living in heaven but rather a reward that today is held in heaven for men like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for David, for the other faithful throughout the ages, for that time when Christ will establish the kingdom of God on this earth. There's numerous scriptures that give details of what this kingdom will be but we'll just have a look at one. In Isaiah 65, if you turn there, please. Isaiah 65, verse 17 to 25, and we'll just read that quickly. And we'll see the contrast to what we have today. (coughs) In Isaiah 65, he says, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. There'll be a new order of things on this earth. The rulers, the ones in the the heavens, or the rulers, and the people on the earth, the rulers. There'll be a new attitude in those people. we told, Be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, (coughs) and her people a joy. And I'll rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence in infinite days nor an old man that have not fulfilled his days. Because in that day, a child shall die a hundred years old. If you're a hundred years old and die, you'll be considered but a child. But the sinner being a hundred years old shall be a curse. And it's talking about the transition from when man rules through the Lord Jesus Christ to ultimately when there's no sin and death on this earth again. we told, and they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labour in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with him. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. You see, Almighty God will know what they need. And he will answer before they call. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullock, And the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. What a difference to what we have today. They're conditions that exceed anything we have today, and I suggest they're conditions that exceed anything we can imagine today. Can we plant and build in heaven? We plant a tree on a cloud, what's going to happen to it? You know, Jerusalem's a physical place on the earth. Do the animals mentioned reside on heaven or in earth? And yes, they refer to more than just animals. It's the attitude of people as well. Obviously, it's describing a place on earth that we can inhabit if we do that which Almighty God is pleased with. It will be a time of great equity and true peace. Those who build will inhabit what they have built. Those who plant will enjoy the fruits of their labours. You see, you won't go to work to make money for somebody else and get a fraction of what it is. You'll plant a vineyard and enjoy the fruit of it. You'll build a house and enjoy it. The bank won't be able to come and take it. The elect of God will long enjoy the work of their hands. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the opportunity to be part of the kingdom of God when it's established on the earth. And as such, man can take hold of one of two rewards. The first is eternal death, to be cut off if we do nothing about the things of almighty God. And that's the way most of this world heads. While the reward for those who are in Christ, those who are baptised into Christ, is eternal life in the kingdom of God, on earth, with faithful men like Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, provided we continue in those things. We encourage you to further investigate what the Bible has to say on these things. But remember, as we said, The reward is only for those who are in Christ. And to be Christ, we must be baptised into Christ, have a correct understanding of the things of Almighty God, so that we can become part of the promises made to Abraham, where we can inherit the earth for eternity. We urge you, ladies and gentlemen, to look into the Bible, to look into these things more closely. To prepare today to be part of the kingdom of God, which he will establish on the earth with the Lord Jesus Christ as king. To believe otherwise that you'll go to heaven is a fable of man. We urge you to look at the Bible while there is time because the Lord Jesus Christ will return, at which time our day of opportunity will come to an end.